Hey, Will, like I normally do, I just want to take a moment to tell our listeners to make sure they hit us up on social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you might see us. Make sure you're sending us something. Also, you can email us directly at AppalachiaMeetsWorld at gmail.com. If you get a moment, shoot us a line, give us some feedback. Yeah, and wherever you listen to the podcast, make sure you subscribe to Appalachia Meets World. It just helps our podcast, but it also helps you know when we're releasing a new episode. Yeah, the people that they're around, the people they like and their network is huge for keeping people rooted in a place and like where people's families are and um, the proximity that they want. And I always make the joke that it's like, maybe they want to be far away, maybe they want to be close. Appalachia Meets World, a podcast about place and perspective, but always Appalachian. And don't forget, Will, tonight's episode is powered by SOAR. Shaping our Appalachian region. If you're an entrepreneur out there, especially in eastern Kentucky, check them out. Appalachian Meets World, we're back to end the year. It's Will. And Neil. What's up, my brother? How's it going? Pretty good. Just winding down you know getting getting closer to the ball drop end of the year end of the season how was your holidays good times man lots of family minus you unfortunately some really really great appetizers as usual (laughs) we posted uh, a photo you didn't if you didn't check that out check it out yeah I, i did hopefully everybody else saw it it was a good time we had some new appetizers this year since our focus on appetizers over the last couple years our family has tried to take it to new heights and deliver premium appetizers at the holidays they did not disappoint will what what was uh what was new the mayor had uh a new christmas tree look it was like these these uh parmesan cheese balls kind of bread you dipped in uh marinara nice uh, in the shape of a christmas tree and then you know, my favorite, my go-to was, uh, of course, the shrimp cocktail, yep. which I think I ate about two pounds of shrimp before the meal. <laughs> um, there were several new, I can't can't recall. Go out and check the picture out, and if you think of uh, questions, ask us what what what's this or what's that. I did send a uh, new dessert to Pontiac. Oh, yes. It was excellent. The yeah. pie cake and pie within a cake within a cake. It was all that and a bag of chips, too. Ending up the year, I felt like one of the biggest things that we did this year were the <laughs> at business of the week. If you missed any of them, go back and check check our episodes for the at business of the week. They're all local, just to give you an idea of some of the Appalachian businesses to support. Yeah, if you can go back and check them out, we'll give everybody an opportunity to maybe, you know, you don't have to reach reach all 52 in the year, but maybe you can check out the the app business of the week and and try to try to contribute to or be a part of 20 of those businesses next year that sound like a good goal we're all about goals for the new year absolutely we'll have that coming up on the next episode teaser (laughs) you know everybody at the end of the year has their lists i wanted to go through the top 20 news stories of 2022 to see if any any of them we actually care about or even <laughs> ever know about. That sounds like a great idea, Will. The top 20 news stories 
of 2022. So number one on the list, the Will Smith and Chris Rock slap. Oh, yeah, that was a big deal. I can't remember exactly when that happened, but uh, I know if you're if you're on the planet, you heard about it. Definitely heard about it. It was at the Oscars, so I know you weren't watching. But oh, of course not. Not live. Of course not. <laughs> I was watching live, and it, it kind of took me by surprise. I thought they were just acting, but no, it turned out to be real. But in everyday oh, life, really, it didn't affect us. Number two <laughs> on the list, Elon Musk buying Twitter. Mm, yeah, that was a big deal. Lots it of dollars. It was a big deal, considering what he's done since he bought it. Removing people, removing journalists from the <laughs> from the Twitter sphere. It's number three on the list. Trump announces he's running for president in 2024. I can't believe that's number three. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm. I'm also going to put this out there. If Trump runs for president in 2024, it's, he's going to hold that L again. <laughs> I don't think uh, that's a big surprise there. Number four, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard defamation case. Oh, yeah, that was a big deal to a lot of people. Not really me. I don't really get into that celebrity stuff, but I guess it was, it was a it, big deal. I didn't I didn't follow it like a lot of people I know. Yeah, it was weird. Like, didn't affect us day to day like most of these stories don't. But, I mean, that's all you saw on the news, like, daily. In the end, <clears throat> two mega rich people, like, being petty against one another. Uh, it was kind of weird. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, number five. Rich people list. problems, Will. Super Bowl halftime show with Dr. Dre, Eminem, Snoop Dogg, Mary J. Blige, Kendrick Lamar, and 50 Cent. We talked about this. Yeah, we did. Loved it. Might be my favorite news story of the year. <laughs> I think after the <laughs> discussion we had, I'll probably agree with that. Number six, NASA successfully crashes a spacecraft into an asteroid. Yeah, I don't even remember that, so... <laughs> wasn't I, high on my list yeah apparently not i do but kind of like a lot of what nasa does in general like does it affect me day to day no i i don't know i think we spend a whole lot of money on space exploration that we could spend in other places yeah number seven on sure. the list nancy pelosi announces her retirement yeah i mean that was newsworthy for sure more of like answered prayer for a lot of Americans, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much it will affect you and I. Number eight, the soccer world cup taking place in Qatar. Yeah, it's a big deal around the world. Not so much to this football loving family. <laughs> it is. It is a big deal around the world. I mean, in the end, it's sports. And does it affect us on a day to day? No, but it's always fun to watch big events like that. Number nine, Kanye getting dropped by. Getting dropped by Adidas and his year-long meltdown. Yeah, Ye- Ye's got a way to go in his uh, his return to the scene. I mean, he's he's on a downward spiral. I'm sorry to say, but Ye may make a comeback in 2023. <laughs> yeah, he may run for president again. Mental illness <laughs> is a real thing, and I think Kanye kind of depicts that. While we look at what he has done as a meltdown. We should also be considering a, a mental illness and the impact on certain people. Yeah. Rich people problems will. <laughs> Number 10, oh. midterm elections. Yeah. Rich people problems will. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in the end, we'll say that does affect us, but on our day to day, I mean, give me a break. It's politics. Number 11, yeah. Tom Brady announces his unretirement 40 days after retiring. 
Okay, I said Snoop was my was my favorite story. I, I just X'd it. Tom Brady, favorite story <laughs> of the year. Coming back, baby. Not been such a great return, not, has but not. I am awful grateful to get to see greatness one last time, if it is the last time. I think he'll come back next year. I knew that was coming, too. But again, it's sports. Does it affect us on a day-to-day? No, I'm going to wake up the same tomorrow as I did yesterday, well, but it's always fun to watch. Hold on. One question. What's bigger news? What was bigger news in 2022? His return to the game or the announcement of his divorce? Uh, apparently return to the game because divorce is not on this list. Okay. And maybe this was list was made after. I don't know. Number 12. I don't even know this one. Joe Biden falling off his bike. Oh, I did. Yeah. See, I pay attention to worldly news. Poor Joe. I mean, honestly, I, I don't even want to comment. I, I mean, I'm done. <laughs> um, number 13, Queen Elizabeth II Platinum Jubilee. So the Jubilee yeah. was a big deal, but I, I, I'm, I'm more inclined to say that her death obviously was a bigger deal. Maybe <laughs> this was made after, uh, before. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we'll we'll say her death in place of the Jubilee. That was okay. a tremendous deal. Yeah, that royal family dynamic thing is such a different thing that we here in the states are not. We don't we don't really get it. I don't think and. I tell you, there's a new documentary with uh, uh, Meghan Markle and Harry you should watch that is really telling. Check it out. Kate Bush's Running Up That Hill Becoming the Most Popular Song in the World. What? Yeah, I got a confession. I've not even heard it. <laughs> I haven't either. <laughs> <laughs> what does that say about us? I mean, I live in Appalachia. They always say we're like eight months behind on music. Maybe I'll hear it in 2024. I don't know. Maybe I have heard it. I just don't know it. Again, it's some of that pop news, some of the uh, superstar news that doesn't affect us, you know, day to day. Like, who cares? Exactly. Winter Olympic and Paralympic Games in Beijing. Uh, caught a few of them. You know, the Olympics for me are getting less and less popular. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just a busyness of life i know it was a big deal for a lot of people but for me in my everyday world it, it was uh insignificant yeah for me with the olympics it's the stories behind the actual olympics like the stories behind the stories that are pretty cool of the individuals but as far as the games i don't really watch them that much yeah. uh benifer 2.0 jennifer lopez and ben affleck love story you know that didn't didn't spend a whole lot of time focused on that uh, <laughs> no i'm surprised <laughs> <laughs> number 17 the release of top gun maverick that i did spend some time on and it was excellent i took my kids i think we went to the movies as a family once this year and that's what we saw it's hard to take young kids to movies as you know you know i do have one really young but the other two are, are of the age where they can at least sit through a movie but they really liked it very cool i still haven't seen it sadly to say Man, that's a shocker. Um, number 18, the new series of Stranger Things. Yeah, I've never got into Stranger Things. I know a lot of people watch it. I, I have a lot of friends that watch it, but I've never, uh, I don't know. Maybe I just don't like Strange Things. Number 19, the release an interesting case of inventing Anna. I did watch that, crazy Ooh. enough. You know, you would think that based on my history on this show, that that's not something I would ever watch. But I've actually seen the entire series. And let me just say, wow. I don't even know how that's 
possible in the world we live in today. You talk about strange things. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was an incredibly interesting story. Obviously, it doesn't affect us on a day to day, but the story itself was was interesting. I did watch it. Last one on the list. And these are all from Yahoo. And they're, they're like the top 20 uh, most interesting. Obviously, they were a lot of pop news, not much in regards to world affairs. But the last one on the list, my money don't jiggle jiggle went viral on TikTok. <laughs> I have no idea what that is. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, again, I got young kids. I, I saw some of them. Definitely did not affect me on the daily. I can't believe that made the list, but uh, I have nonetheless, talking about. I guess my kids. I don't allow them to watch TikTok, so <laughs> <laughs> so that was the top twenty. Uh, a lot of things, like I, again, like I said, a lot of pop news, not a lot of world affairs, so it didn't affect us much. But were the most interesting stories according to Yahoo News. Speaking of lists, Will. We like lists on this show. We've we've had a, a array of of lists and people telling us about great things over the last two years. But today we're going to have a guest on that literally it's her job to make a list. I mean that's that's pretty cool. I, I guess it would depend on what your list is. <laughs> yeah, everybody at the end of the year always makes lists. <laughs> You know, the countdown to the new year of, of what they've done over the last year, over 2022. And this organization, we're going to have Amanda Ellis from Livability. We'll let her explain what that is when we get into it. But they do an annual top 100 places to live list. Yeah, I don't think we'll get into all 100 places, but I am very interested in picking her brain and, and getting into uh and what all that entails, because I can I mean, that sounds like a really cool job, to be honest. Yeah, well, you know, we talk about it all the time, how there's magic in these mountains and how we would not want to live anywhere else. And we'll just see what her list suggests in regards to some of those places in Appalachia of how they rank on the top 100. I got to be honest, I, I, I do. I have looked at the list and uh uh, well, let's just talk about it. I, I'm not sure there's enough Appalachian cities on there, but we'll we'll, we'll get into that. All right, you want to get around here? Absolutely. On the episode today, we have a special guest, Amanda Ellis. She is the editor-in-chief of livability.com, where she leads content strategies and voice for small to mid-sized cities. She's also the lead on Inside America's Best Cities podcast, which is a part of Livability Media. Prior to that, she worked for a PR and marketing firm in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And before that, she spent eight years at the Chattanooga Chamber of Commerce. So Amanda, we want to thank you for being on the show and welcome you to our podcast. Thank you guys. I'm super excited to be here. We have a very serious question. Very serious. Um, like most Appalachians, our family is big on tradition. One of the traditions we have, we have appetizers at the holidays. Usually we have this gigantic spread of appetizers bigger than the actual meal. So we wanted to ask you, do you have a favorite appetizer or just holiday dish? We do a lot of sausage balls in my family. So those are, yeah, so good. 
trying to think what else. That's a good way to do it though, because everyone likes just snacking. My family's actually started doing like a brunch on Christmas day, which has been really fun. So it's not early, but not late. everyone brings something and then we do presents and then everyone's tired. (laughs) So (laughs) with the brunch, you just eat kind of like all day long. Yeah. And then you can just kind of nibble that. And it's a lot easier to do that than cook, you know, like a ham and a whole big um, meal. So at our house, it's usually a big bunch of appetizers because there's a million people there and we all stand around and eat appetizers and watch our mother cook. So she's cooking the real meal while we're all indulging with the appetizers. So Amanda, I briefly mentioned uh, what you do at livability.com, but can you just tell people what livability is as an organization and what y'all do? Sure, I d- definitely. So livability.com is a content platform that's all about small to mid-sized cities and mostly why they're great places to live. A little bit of fun travel content mixed in there as well. But yeah, we're really focused on, you know, there's so many great places in the country outside of the big the big cities that everyone hears about, talks about. You know, we know those are great. Like we know DC is great. We know New York, New York is great. We know LA is great. You know, those aren't the places that are under the radar. So those are the ones that we try to focus on and really giving those the attention that they deserve and helping highlight all of the unique things about those places and the unique opportunities there are for people there and why you can live an especially great life in those places. So livability media that livability.com falls under. So we also do some content marketing for chambers of commerce and EDO groups. So that includes both print publications like print uh, economic development community guides, as well as content marketing at livability.com. So working with those places, uh, Uh, that are our clients to help them really get out their messaging to the groups they're trying to reach in terms of talent attraction. Our livability.com site attracts a lot of people looking to move. So we have a pretty targeted audience. And we know that from seeing what types of search terms tend to bring people there. And it's questions about what's it, what, you know, what it's like to live in a place. And so, you know, helping communities reach you know, different groups of workers that they would want to appeal to, retirees who might be looking to move, remote workers who might be trying to move, or people who just want a fresh start. Yeah, you all have some amazing marketing content. The first time that I ever heard of livability, I was working in Huntington, West Virginia. I think you all did some work for Advantage West Virginia. It was an amazing uh, marketing piece that you all did for them, just highlighting how great that region is and all the assets that they have. Yes, love Advantage Valley. And we actually just recently did a podcast episode on the new core project up there, which I would imagine you all are familiar with since you have roots there. Um, but they recently landed their biggest ever investment in the history of the state. And that was with a sustainable steel production group, Nucor. So we talked to their secretary of economic development there about how cool that is for them. And yeah, lots of lots of great stuff going on there. Since we're in uh, a time of everybody making lists at the end of the year, you know, the best of lists. You all put out the best places to live in the U.S. Every year you've been doing it for nine years. You now are, are, you know, this was for 2022. But how do you put together that list? You know, what are the data points? Just what is the background in regards to the best places to live in the U.S.? Yep. So that is our top 100 best places to live. So as you said, I've been doing it for nine years. This will be our 10th year, which is crazy. So you're right. These lists have become kind of a trendy thing. It's something a lot of different media outlets do now, Um, but we've been doing ours before. It was cool. I like to say (laughs) 
But what really makes ours unique is, again, that focus on small to mid-size cities only. So we only look at cities with a population under 500,000. So, you know, kind of cutting out the usual suspects, again, that, that everybody kind of already knows about and focusing on why those places are awesome. So we research over 2,300 cities we pull data on to call this list. And then, of course, bring that down to 100. So even if a city is like number 100, that's still really, really good um, out of 2,000 plus cities. So we look at over 50 data points grouped into eight different categories. So I won't bore you all with all the data points, but the categories are things like economic stability, housing, amenities, infrastructure, demographics healthcare, um, and we kind of evaluate all those categories to give each city a score and then rank them in this list. Yeah, I saw that there are, of the 13 state Appalachian region, there are five cities in the top 100, that being at number nine, Pittsburgh, PA, at number 19, Asheville, North Carolina, number 84, Huntsville, Alabama, number 85, State College, PA, And number 98, Knoxville, Tennessee. So those are the five out of Appalachia. I just wondered, I know you mentioned, you know, mid to small cities. That's what you focus on. But are there certain data points? You know, we're not going to go through all of them. But there are certain ones that carry more weight or that are more important in regards to your rankings? Yes. So there is a proprietary algorithm we use that weights the different data points. So I can't give away all the secrets, (laughs) but we do look at also like what has kind of gone on current events wise in that time period that we're gathering the data and when we're promoting this. And we use that to inform what that looks like and also kind of tweak the formula and the data each year. So like, for example, this year we added like a natural disaster resilience data point that just has to do with measuring a community's ability to recover from, you know, a natural incident, natural disaster. We also like recently added in vaccine rates, you know, following COVID pandemic stuff. It definitely shifts year to year to make sure that we're reflecting whatever's current and what's going on. And we've added some remote work measures um, too. Like why is it, why are places a good place to be a remote worker? Yeah, I saw that uh, your top three actually are Madison, Wisconsin, Ann Arbor, Michigan, and Rochester, Minnesota, some of the coldest places in the U.S. (laughs) (laughs) Just about what I was about to say, Will. Exactly. (laughs) They still rank rank top three. And I, I, I was listening to one of your podcasts, by the way, and I heard some representatives from Madison, Wisconsin. And, you know, you asked them uh, what sets their city apart. And one of the gentlemen said the people. So I was wondering, do you include and, and if, you know, I would argue that the people of Appalachia uh, are, you know, as what really sets our region apart. Are, are there qualitative data points that you include in your categories? I would say for this, it's mostly quantitative, just be, or finding a way to quantify things, just because you kind of have to to do that with this sort of ranking. But you do make a great point about people. And it's interesting because we also do at Livability some of our own research on American relocation habits and, you know, why people make certain decisions about moving, where they stay, that sort of thing. And one of the things that's constantly coming up and pretty much any bit of research that we do is the importance of family, friends, people, and just kind of that support network and how people choose where they are. And of course that's up there with like 
affordability is also a big one. Climate's also a big one, which is kind of funny because you also um, just mentioned that. But yeah, people's, yeah, the people that they're around, the people they like and their network is huge for keeping people rooted in a place and like where people's families are and um, the proximity that they want. And I always make the joke that it's like, maybe they want to be far away. Maybe they want to be close. We don't know, <laughs> but it's big <laughs> in the decision-making process the people. So that's just something interesting to know. And we did ask Madison, um, we did a podcast interview with them. It's actually their second year being our number one city. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So that's really cool for them. And I mean, it makes sense that like, since our algorithm is similar from year to year, like we wouldn't want to pull the data and it'd be a whole different set of cities. Right. Sure. Then but yeah, so it was their second year. So very, very cool for them. But yeah, we I asked them about that. Like, it gets pretty cold there. Yeah, but you. it sounds like they still have a lot of outdoor stuff going on that people, you know, enjoy during that time. And it is, you know, not, it's not like it's cold all the time. But, you know, we talk about the importance of diversifying the economy on here all the time, especially in small rural Appalachia, but all throughout the region. You know, Madison often ranks the number one economically diverse region in all of the U.S. And I imagine that carries a lot of weight in regards to your ranking. Yes, definitely. So yeah, lots of growth opportunity. They've also done a lot of work with DEI and just making sure that everyone in their communities included in those opportunities. So yeah, lots of good stuff going on there. I wanted to ask about just media portrayal for a second. You know, you have long career in marketing and media. Appalachian, as you well know, has often been portrayed as ignorant, as as backward, especially when in regards to the media. Media is often the sole provider of this negative stereotype that we often get. We partially really started this podcast to change that narrative and highlight, you know, the great diversity that Appalachia actually has. So, how, how can, uh, in, I guess from your perspective, how can media really define a community's identity? And what are the best ways to maybe change a narrative? So I would like to think that that is maybe getting a little bit better as folks who work in the media are trying to be more open-minded about places. And even like with, you know, COVID, where we saw a lot of people leaving some of the cities that I was going to say that a lot of people think are so great. I guess that like are great, but it all is about what you want and what resources you have. Right. So I think that that really helped open people's mind. But I think nowadays communities are really making more of an intentional PR effort to promote the stories about their community that are what they want to see. Um, and I think that's a really good thing. Um, so there are a lot of specialized agencies now that you can connect with to help you do that. And, you know, it could be something that you can do on your own. I think, um, I guess it's all about what level of storytelling that you're trying to do. So thinking about like top tier media. So that would be like the New York Times, like the major stuff that we're all familiar with and that really, really, really reach a ton of people. Those can be hard to reach unless you are a PR person with the right contacts. And again, that's where those specialized agencies can be really helpful. But in terms of like local regional media, I would say you do not have to be a PR expert to kind of DIY a PR approach, thinking about people who are in a communications capacity for communities. And also, you know, nowadays there's so much media of your own that you can put out and help shape that narrative, whether that's your social media, your magazine, your blogs. I mean, even like what you all are doing just as a passion project, like is part of shaping, you know, a positive narrative for the area. So as part of your job, not to not to change the subject, but 
to get back to this this list of places. You get to visit these places. And how cool is that? So I don't get to visit all of them, but I do sometimes get to visit some of them. And it is it is a very cool part of the job. So with that being said, I know you use an algorithm to determine all the best places in America to live. But, you know, where are some of your favorite places to go? Hmm. It's funny. I really do feel like, so of course in this job, you know, we talk a lot about how, you know, everywhere has something that makes it special. Like everywhere has their own things. And I feel like I've really seen that to be true, especially now that I look for that more, I guess, now that this is what I do. There's so many just unique things to do that you wouldn't expect in a lot of different communities. So for example, I was in Rockford, Illinois earlier this year, and that's about an hour, I guess, outside of Chicago, smaller community, but they have a very cool like dinosaur museum and they lead paleontology trips, even for amateurs and do digs out West. And just anybody, anybody can do it. They like train you a little bit. And if you were to find something, you'd actually get your name put on it in the museum. Just like, you know, like who would have thought like Rockford, Illinois, that they would have something cool like that, you know? And I think it's just that thing too, of like, if you've never heard of a place, sometimes you tend to assume like, oh, well, there must not be, you know, it must be boring. And that's just not true at all. So really, I think that's true that like almost every community kind of has something going for it. And especially, you know, nowadays that I think communities have understood the importance of that more over the last couple of decades and maybe just had more resources to put into those things. But I mean, even like Chattanooga is a great example. I mean, it's really cool now, but it definitely hasn't always, hasn't always been. I mean, my uh, parents were here when they were younger and just I don't, yeah, just the way that things have changed and the way that nobody wanted to stay around here and there was really no downtown to speak of and it was ugly and like, you know, and looking at that like 30 years later, it's just crazy the transformation that they've been able to make. And I think a lot of communities have done that. But yeah, I think it's really helped me be more open to seeing what's great and that there's people in every city that really, really love that place. And that's really cool to see too. No matter what the name of their corny festival is, there's a lot of people in each community that have a love and passion for that community. In your role, it's a cool opportunity to see all those differences, not only in Appalachia, but throughout the country really for you yes. so uh, I love it. I'm, I'm, jealous. Yeah. I'm jealous of your opportunities <laughs> you know it's it is really neat I was reading a um an article the other day that I thought was really interesting the great millennial migration that wasn't it's about how they did some research and a really really high percentage of younger millennials still live within a hundred miles of where they lived when they were teenagers. And they have like some other stats in there kind of showing like that, that how that percentage changes as you like reduce that mileage or make it bigger. But what I thought was so interesting about that is there has been a lot of focus on people relocating. And I, I do think that's I do think that's happening. That has happened more, you know, now as work has been more flexible and with COVID and things like that. But I thought it spoke to an interesting talent retention angle for communities because, of course, attraction is what gets talked about a whole, whole lot. But retention is important too, like keeping people, making sure that people, even who maybe have roots in your community, also like it and not just like drawing in the shiny um, new people. But this piece also spoke to like, 
the varying resources that people have and how that, you know, affects whether they, you know, move far away or stay. And I just thought it was interesting seeing statistically what a large portion of people kind of stay around like where they've always lived. And that's not really like the excitement that we tend to talk about, but it's still very true. And I feel like for me, that's even been true. And I have definitely at times kind of felt like, you know, well, do I, do I need to move to like, I don't know, like just because I need to, but I mean, my, I feel like my career has still grown from the city I've based in. So I don't know, maybe you all relate to that too. Since no, I, I think that's a really good point. That was actually one a question I was going to, going to ask you, you know, especially where we're from, you know, it's big on heritage, big on tradition, like I mentioned, but people often just stay. People often don't move from our area, whether it be kind of a family thing or just an inherit, like I said, heritage. It's just something historically that Appalachians have not done. It it took me moving away from the region to to really appreciate what I had where I, where I grew up for, for those people that have no desire of moving. Like you mentioned, those millennials that just want to stay, how can they make their communities, their regions even better? So this is another really cool thing about small and medium sized communities. I think it's a lot easier to get plugged in and engaged in whatever interests you. So I would say, just think about what your interests are and find ways to do that. And I think that people are really open to it. And I think there can be, you know, a lot of volunteer opportunities with like local nonprofits, the local chamber, like chambers do so much for communities and always have a lot of opportunity and could use the help. So yeah, I think it's way easier to make an impact. Like when you're a big fish in a small pond, instead of a small fish in a big pond, I actually read somewhere that that was something that I some college career center somewhere was asking the students to think about. And I was like, that's a really good way to think of it because I think it does make a difference in career wise anyway, you know, like, do you want to be the small fish in the big pond or the bigger fish in the small pond? Yeah, and- definitely. I, I know with your list, you, you mentioned cities under 500,000, a city of 500,000 or 250,000 is a really large city in Appalachia. I was wondering if you ever focused yeah. Do you ever focus on rural areas? Do you ever focus on smaller, maybe even main streets? And do you think rural areas define success a little bit differently than uh, larger metropolitan areas? Yes, definitely. So I would say, um, I believe that the the small size cutoff for top 100 is 20,000. So usually the cities that we will be covering are going to be at least over that. But yeah, you make a good point. And honestly, the the cities over 500,000, I mean, I think that only, like, don't quote me on this number, but I think that only cuts out like maybe 30 cities or so, like of the biggest places across the country. So you're right, um, big difference. But yeah, no, I definitely think that the metrics are different. The resources are different. It's really just a different ball game. IEDC actually did a webinar on this the other week. I think it was called Small Towns Big Messaging, where they talked to a couple like really smaller communities on some of the things that they had done. So I do think that it's different and like the accomplishments that would be a bigger deal for that. It's just different, the whole metric process. What do you think hurts a city the most? Uh, whether it be from your data points or just in general? I think being intentionally inclusive is really important now. So whatever you're doing, that's cool. Does everyone have access to that? Does everyone enjoy that equally? Internet access, especially with like the remote work piece and, you know, being for people to be more mobile. I think that that's really important. Those are two big ones, I would say. 
very, very big ones, <laughs> I would say. Yeah. I want to ask you a couple of quick questions. I know Neil already asked some of your favorite cities, but do you have a favorite city other than Chattanooga? You, you can't answer Chattanooga. Do you have a favorite city in Appalachia? I don't know that I do. I feel like I rarely don't like a place. So as an Appalachian girl, as, as a, someone who was born and raised in Chattanooga, what's maybe number one, number two, what's the best thing about Chattanooga? If I were coming to Chattanooga for a week, what would you definitely tell me to check out? So I think one of the best things about it, and I've come to appreciate this more as I've spent time other places, is it's really easy to get around and things are actually like pretty close together. And for the most part, it's not trafficy. We have like one sticky area. I mean, everywhere has something. We have like one sticky area that can be trafficy, but it's really easy to get around and it doesn't take very long. And I get very spoiled on that. You know, when I go somewhere else and realize like you really can't get anywhere in under half an hour. So that being said, and a lot of outdoor recreation type stuff, I'm personally not super outdoorsy. So I'm probably not the right person to advise you on exactly where to go, but I would find something to do. And just the fact that you can do something really cool outside and then also do something downtown and they are super close together, I think is very cool. So I definitely spend some time downtown. You know, our aquarium is a big deal and it's really fun. Lots of great restaurants. So you can kind of do that. And then I would also make sure to hit something outside that's nearby. I've done the aquarium with my kids. The 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 river there is really cool area. On your website, aside, you know, we talked a lot about the hundred list, hundred best places to live, but you all have some amazing content, a lot of articles. You have a blog, a lot of content on your website. Do you have a favorite article that you all have posted on your website or a favorite item from your website that comes to mind? We did a really cool piece earlier this year, and it was about cities that have been a main topic of like a TV show or a movie or book or something like that, and kind of how that has been good or bad for perceptions of their community or put them on the map in some way. And that was really neat. And one of the big ones that we talked to, and we also did a podcast on this, was Scranton, Pennsylvania and The Office. And it's just it's really interesting. I didn't know this, but someone that works at their chamber of commerce was actually like an official, pretty official liaison for the show and did a lot of like prop placement to get like local stuff in. And a lot of local businesses referenced in the show are actually real places and oh, cool. a tourism boost. People are really more into that than I knew before I talked with this. Per- like they have conventions, they have office themed weddings, like everything you can think of. That's just like, it's been a big boost for their area. So that's, that a huge, that's, that's very cool. Uh, was deliverance on that list? No. So we talked about the office hometown takeover, which was like an HGTV thing in Mississippi and Alabama. And the other one was Fargo. So it was an interesting one. That was one of my favorites, but I mean, we cover all kinds of stuff. We have a lot of fun holiday content going right now. Um, Christmas movie houses you can visit, cool Christmas tree farms. Your point from before, every city, every community, they have assets. Neil and I, Neil lives in a community now. Their big festival is called the World Chicken Festival. The very first Kentucky Fried Chicken, Colonel Sanders, is from where Neil lives. So 
they and, they, and it has really grown exponentially. I mean, hundreds of thousands of people come to this festivals in a small town every year. So every community have their, has their own unique assets. It's just a matter of building upon those assets. Speaking of those restaurants, biscuits or cornbread? Biscuits, I think. Do yeah. you say y'all or yuns? Oh, y'all, definitely. <laughs> yuns? Do people still say that? Like, Only in Eastern around Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Huh. interesting one of the questions that we ask everybody that comes on the show just to kind of get you know perspective from different areas and different regions what's the first thing that comes to your mind or what's the first thing that rolls off the tongue when I say the word Appalachia um I think about the Appalachian Trail and how many have you ever hiked it well I told you I'm not very (laughs) (laughs) Um, Probably yeah. not a project I will be undertaking, but um, <laughs> but yeah, like it runs right through here. And I, I feel like that's a positive, yeah, like a really positive. Another question that we always ask all our guests, you know, place and perspective are really important to our podcast. Place is really important to Appalachia. So we wanted to ask you just where do you call home? What makes it home for you? What makes it unique? Yeah. So I know we've talked about Chattanooga some already, but that will definitely be, that's definitely home. I have uh, lived most of my life here. It wasn't born here and I went to school in Nashville, but other than that, um, I have been here. And even now I work for a company, you know, Livability is based in Franklin, Tennessee, just South of Nashville. Um, so I may have joined the ranks of remote workers, but uh, yeah, still based here, even though I do a lot of travel and such. So we already talked about a little of what I think is special about it. Like I love how easy it is to get around. Like everything is very easily accessible. People are really nice. I know we've kind of said that everyone says that about where they live, but I feel like people are very open and it was a really good place to start my career for that reason. People were really open to getting to know you and helping each other. And even though, you know, I work for a company that's not local now, I've been able to maintain a lot of those relationships in a very positive way and my family's here and I I do actually like my family um (laughs) that's a big draw and I think for me really contributes to the home feeling and I think for a lot of people because I think a lot of people like call home you know where their family is even if they live somewhere else so that's been a big anchoring point for me yeah that's great I I know we mentioned Advantage Valley earlier you know, part of your organization, you know, communities can reach out to you to get marketing content. We already mentioned your website, livability.com, but how can people reach you, communities reach you if they're interested in, in marketing materials or just finding these top 100 lists in general? Um, how can they find you? Yes. So most of the fun content that we've talked about and like the top 100 list and other things we've mentioned are going to be again at livability.com. But livabilitymedia.com is where you can find more information about, you know, how we support communities and the different marketing options that we offer. And you can also reach out to me. LinkedIn is probably a really good place. I'm very active there and yeah, would love to chat, give advice, all the things. Thank you so much for being a part of our episode. We want to thank you for your time. I know it's limited, but thanks for sharing it with us. Yes, it was very fun. Thanks, Amanda. Good good talking to you. Well, Will, interesting stuff. Uh, Lots of cities that I need to visit on the Amanda's list and what a cool guest to have on man I, I you know 
a day in the life of, or maybe like a week in the life of Amanda Ellis would be cool to live, I think. Obviously, the work that she does, they have some interesting things, even beyond the the best cities. If you go to their website, you, you know, livability.com, they have some very cool things. You can search by state, you can search by region, cool lists of, of great things to do in, in the area. Absolutely. I, I will say, too, I know our guests couldn't see, but uh, Amanda also gets the, the award for best background, wouldn't you say, Will? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it just looked picturesque. Cool work that they do, even working with cities when they work with economic development organizations to help market those areas. You know, marketing is a big part of economic development in a region. ED is kind of the front door to a lot of areas. If you're looking for a place to establish your business, if you're looking for a place to move, if you're looking for a place to live, their organization, it goes a long way in regards to marketing and help to helping to support an area. Certainly a great resource for anybody out there looking to to make a move in this upcoming year, 2023. If you want to figure out what's the right place for you, honestly, I would think uh, Amanda Ellis has already done all the work for you. So make sure you check it out. Yeah, great way to end the year uh, of this 2022 with the top 100 best places to live list, like we said in the in, in the intro Everybody's makes list, and this is a perfect one to end the year on. So we wanted to just say Happy New Year's to everyone. But before that, we wanted to have the app biz of the week. Yep, that's got to be none other than livability. livability. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So check out that website, www.livability.com. Figure out all the great places that you want to see in 2023. This is a perfect ending to our year. You know, we've had a really busy, high content year, Neil. Here we are wrapping it up. Yeah, it's kind of kind of crazy. I can't believe that we're wrapping up year two. And uh, Amanda Ellis was a great guest. Thanks to her. Thanks for her time. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to next week and highlighting a lot of the stuff that we have in store for 2023. I just want to say Happy New Year to everybody out there, and we appreciate you listening to the show. Absolutely. And I guess we can end it like we usually do. Till next time.